Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Oh, you just followed him? Boy, what a day. What a big show we've got. Uh, so much going on in the world today. We're going to get to Greg Palast in just a moment. He's got a guy uh, on the ground in Ukraine. Uh, Putin is dropping immoral and, and, frankly, war crime cluster bombs that kill children in Kharkiv. Is he killing kids as a negotiation strategy? We'll get into that after we talk with Greg. Eric Bollard will be with us at the bottom of this hour uh, about the uh, Republican bromance of, with Putin revealed. Also, is the Republican Party trying to turn America into Putin's Russia? All for the same reason that Putin talks about, right? Blood and soil, white nationalism, harassing and demonizing LGBTQ people, holding tight control over schools and media, rigging elections to end democracy itself right here in the United States. That's my op-ed at HartmanReport.com today. We'll get into that. But to start, on the line with us is our old buddy Greg Pallas, the investigative journalist, formerly with the BBC, uh, Guardian, and all, you know, all kinds of other uh, outlets and venues. He's the author of How Trump Stole 2020 and previously The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. GregPallast.com is his website. Greg underscore Pallast, P-A-L-A-S-T, is his Twitter handle. Greg, uh, welcome to the program, it, it, uh, or welcome back. It sure looks to me like this is going south really fast for uh, President Putin. You've got at least one person in Ukraine, and I believe you've got a person in Russia. What are you learning? My thoughts go out to Nick Parapolitsa, who's been sending us video and reports, our correspondent in Kharkiv, which is under massive bombardment. Despite the horror show that we're witnessing of bombing civilian areas, especially Kharkiv, where, uh, where Nick is sending us his reports, the Russians are unable to take any cities. They were not prepared for this type of warfare. They went into Kharkiv. They were kind of allowed in, and then Russians were slaughtered when they got caught in the middle of the city. So they left, and in frustration now, they're just bombing the civilian population because they have no plan. They really don't have a military strategy to take the city except to 
slaughter people and try to uh, break their will. Well, now which, they're dropping cluster bombs. I mean, yeah. these are specifically designed to kill civilians. They don't take out buildings. Yes. They kill people. It's like a bomb with hundreds of little things that look like toys inside it that are actually basically grenades. And, you know, a lot of them don't go off immediately. And so kids pick them up and blow their arms off or die. People step on them, not realizing what they are. And they they're like landmines. Yes. And again, because Putin does not have a, a military way to get in. Uh, and yes, we do have a, a correspondent in Moscow, Margarita Ivanova, and uh, also a Ukrainian, another in Lviv. And uh, so uh, I also spoke yesterday with uh, Gamaliel Turner, who's a future warfare expert with the uh, Navy. He's one of their top experts. And he said that they're really, we've learned the hard way, the U.S., and the Russians are learning a harder way, that it is really difficult to take a city with tanks, especially the, what he says, very crappy infantry. Their tanks and trucks right. are breaking down, et cetera. So they, have a, they really can't take the cities. It's hard for the tanks to maneuver. And because they thought that this blitzkrieg would work, they're now frustrated. But uh, while it's horrific looking, uh, both on the ground, the reports I'm getting, and from uh, Gamaliel Turner, uh, it's going to be very, very difficult for the Russians to take these cities. And, of course, you can't really do it from the air. We've never had a city taken through aerial bombardment. The idea is obviously to try to break the will of the Ukrainians. We haven't seen that. You know, there's differences within the Ukrainian population that we have to understand, which I'm, you know, that I've been trying to report on just some, you know, factual things. I do have, by the way, distant relatives in the Donbass. They see themselves as Russian. Uh, and there's a big difference. Some of the older people say can't give Russia anything. And the younger people uh, I'm getting um, tend to be English speakers. You know, it's a high tech country. And, and this, you know, the younger people are saying give Russia, you know, the, the Russian Donbass back to the Russians. We don't want to fight for that. On the other hand, they, I haven't heard any Ukrainian yet who will say anything, but I'll fight to the death for my country. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a complex situation, and uh, and I'm wondering if by evacuating Russian speakers out of the Donbas, uh, Putin was too clever by half. I mean, you know, he he uh, uh, he thought it was going to be the, the 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 PR opportunity that would justify the invasion, and uh, and now he's got you know fewer Russian speakers in that region, where his only claim to it is that it's filled with Russian speakers. Right. Well, it's still very few people actually left. That was, uh, as you say, Putin PR. It's a stunt. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a Putin PR stunt, and he's not very good at PR, except maybe his Botox that he uses to puff his face up. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, but well, the, is it that, or is he yeah. is he on steroids or something? I mean, there's a lot of speculation that that uh, I, I guess obviously neither yeah. one, neither this one is, of us we, knows. We don't that, know. We don't that know. something's but, going but on I can with tell this you, guy. Okay, so you haven't really had you. The Ukrainian government has not had control of the Donbass or Crimea for eight years. Right. And and uh, remember, that in the Donbass, it's overwhelmingly Russian Orthodox who follow the Moscow Patriarchate. I'm sorry to get complicated. The rest of Ukraine follows the Kiev Patriarchate. And there's no question that Patriarchate of Moscow, Kirill, has been pushing to restore his authority back in Kiev. And that's one of the things that... Right. that these are two orthodox popes, basically. Yes, it's, it's, it's Putin's, it's, uh, you know, so uh, Putin, you know, has to play to his base, which is the religious right in Russia. Let's not forget that there's a huge 
a religious motivation here coming from Russia and Patriarch Kirill, who wants back control. And of course, he legitimately wanted to protect his people in the in the Donbass. 14,000 people have been killed in the past eight years. This war didn't just start. It's been going on for eight years, but it's all been relegated to the east. But the Ukrainian troops haven't been in the Donbass, and uh, the Ukrainian government has had no control for eight years. So a lot of young people are saying, you know, give Russia back to the Russians. Remember, the Donbass and Crimea were given to Ukraine by Khrushchev only in 1954 as part of his uh, internal fight with Prime Minister Georgi Melenkov. This is after Stalin died. You know, who's going to be in charge? So Khrushchev lopped off. Melenkov's base in Crimea and Donbass gave it to his buddies in the Ukraine. That's how it ended up there. However, this is a whole, think of it as two different wars, really. One is the Donbass, and obviously Russia controlled it. It's going to become part of Russia. It's always been part of Russia. But then there's this, in a way, Putin had won the war, but now I don't completely understand the battle except for the push from Kirill to restore the uh, Russian patriarchate in Kiev. We might think of these medieval motivations, but this is welcome to the new world in which religion has a huge part in the uh, in these conflicts. You can't. Well, and, and in that regard, uh, Putin has been promoting essentially right wing white based Christian, you know, race, literally racially based Christianity. Well, that's why he's a he's a fave of uh, of the uh, ultra right from Greece and Golden Dawn and and our man, uh, as you know, Zach Ro- uh, Zach Roberts. Uh, unfortunately, he was uncovered when he was undercovered at, at the, the big America First meeting uh, this weekend. Um, they were chanting, "Go Putin!" Right. This this is the ultra right uh, meeting with Marjorie Taylor Greene and Nick Fuentes, the the yeah. kind of right wing Christian nationalists. They're they're chanting, "Go Putin!" Yeah. I kid you not. No, I, I I saw the video. In fact, I retweeted it. It's it's uh, it's absolutely amazing stuff. Greg Palast, um, investigative journalist, his uh, latest book, well, uh, multiple books. The best democracy money can buy is absolutely great. GregPalast.com, Greg underscore Palast on Twitter. Greg, keep us up to date, okay? Okay, I will. Thanks a lot. Great talking with you. Want to get into how the world is changing as a consequence of this? Switzerland, Germany. The Switzerland thing, the Swiss thing is a huge big deal. So the world is being reshaped as we watch. And Putin is driving this. And I think it's important to distinguish between Putin and Russia. You know, there was a very poignant moment. I was watching CNN and their correspondent was in Ukraine and there was this bridge where a Russian convoy had just been blown to smithereens by Ukrainian uh, artillery. And he was walking through it, and he found a little teddy bear, a miniature teddy bear, that one of the Russian soldiers had brought with him, probably that soldier's child's toy, by way of remembering the family back home. And it, it I mean, we're hearing story after story of Russian soldiers essentially refusing to fight, or fighting poorly. Or uh, in one case, you know, doing a, 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 a tank and machine gun assault on a statue of an old tank. Like, okay, so you told us to, sh- you know, like shoot at these guys, we did it, right? The Russian people are seriously unhappy about this. And you've got over 50 cities in Russia where protests are going on right now. Uh, Putin has really stepped in it uh, in an unprecedented move. Switzerland has just come out now 
and said that, I mean, they, they literally, you know, Switzerland never does this. I'm, I'm I, you know, it's been, geez, 40 years, literally, since I read The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. And I don't, frankly, remember how uh, neutral Switzerland was during World War II and, uh, you know, uh, to what extent they refused to do anything with anybody. But Switzerland has now come out and said that they are going to freeze. They have $11 billion in Swiss banks uh, that are owned by Russian companies, Russian individuals, Vladimir Putin and his friends. And they just came out and said they're going to freeze this. This is this from the New York Times. Uh, Switzerland's prime minister, Ignazio Cassis, said that the country would immediately freeze the assets of Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, Prime Minister Mikhail Mishustin, and, former minister, uh, and Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, as well as all 367 individuals sanctioned last week by the European Union. That would be their, their uh, oligarchs. The Swiss federal president, Cassis, said Monday, quote, it is an unparalleled action of Switzerland who has always stayed neutral before. This is a big deal. Turkey, who had been making a turn toward authoritarianism, has come out and said that they're going to prevent, uh, you know, they, they're, they're right on, the, on a pivot point here in the sea. Um, they, they said that they're going to block Russian warships. Hungary with Viktor Orban, another, another right-wing autocrat, but still, you know, a member of NATO and the European Union. Actually, I'm not sure if they're part of the EU or not, but um, in, uh, I think they are. Um, but in any case, Hungary has come out and, and said, you know, we're not, we're not with you, Putin. Um, even China backing away. I mean, this, this is a significant turning point. And so what's happening right now? Uh, Putin is dropping cluster bombs in Kharkiv, and, or Kharkiv. And I'm of the opinion that this, that this is basically, I mean, the only way you can take a city with tanks is to de destroy the city. This is what the Russian army did in Damascus. I mean, look at the pictures from Syria, you know, of the, of the destroyed. The city was just destroyed by tanks. I think he's afraid to do that in, in Ukraine, partly because he wants to have it afterwards. And, you know, why would you want to have a destroyed country? And partly because he has figured out this is the first Twitter war. This is the first TikTok war. This is... This is the first social media war. And it is not going the way that authoritarians and autocrats want. Germany has come out and said, uh, this is a uh, Zeitenwende. Uh, Zeit is the word, German word for time. And uh, Wende is literally, as, if, if I'm remembering my German right, I used to be pretty fluent at it. Uh, Wende, I thought, was wind. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing that this would be the, the time of, 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 of change or changing wind or, or maybe I'm wrong. But, but it basically, the, you know, the, the word is generally translated as turning point. And uh, the German chancellor, uh, Schultz, came out and said that Germany is now going to send weapons to Ukraine. They have not done this anywhere for anybody since World War II. So does Putin think that killing children in Kharkiv is a negotiating strategy? Or did he just tell his generals, damn it, do it? I mean, this reminds me so much of my, my friend Armin Lehman, who was the 16-year-old soldier who handed Hitler the, the papers saying that the war was lost. 
and then the next the next day watched as Hitler walked into his uh, room uh, with uh, Eva Brown and, and committed suicide. And he said Hitler was willing to have everybody die. We'll be back. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? Hey, not too much, Tom. Look, I just wanted to say um, I was driving through Las Vegas this morning, actually, and I thought I, I came to this conclusion um, based on everything I've heard about this Russia-Ukraine conflict. And um, basically, Vladimir Putin only has one choice now. He, ha- he can't just pull out because he's exposed all of Russia's inherent and innate weaknesses. About really all he can do is uh, hope for either an act of God to distract everybody, you know, some sort of catastrophe somewhere else, or um, he can manufacture one. And with all these um, Trumpers, they have on the yoke of humiliation now. And about the only way to alleviate that is, um, you know, he's got he's to def- deflect everything to the, to the Muslims. He has to. And I and, and and actually the Syrian Mukhabarat, uh, you know Bashar Assad's intelligence service, they're actually very good. Yeah, I think. And I, yeah, good. Number one, his best option is to negotiate a settlement. And if he can negotiate a settlement where he walks away with the part, parts of or all of the Donbas, that will give you know that'll allow him to save face and and walk away and 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 declare mission accomplished back home. If he can't save face, I'm I'm frankly concerned. Uh, I you know I get you know how we all want to 
you know, uh, fist bump uh, or, you know, uh, proclaim the wonders of the Ukrainian army and look at all the Russians they've killed and all this kind of stuff. But a cornered rat is far more dangerous than a regular rat. And this is a cornered rat right now. Yeah. You mentioned Switzerland. Um, I don't know if you saw that about Turkey in the Montrose Agreement. Turkey is closing the, the Dardanelles and the Bosporus. If, you, if you're an authoritarian and you cannot get Erdogan on your side, you've got some problems. Yeah. And he could do like the Germans and just try to blast his way out of there and into the, into the Black Sea. <laughs> but it's not, you know what You mean the Germans in World uh, War II? Yes, the Bosporus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, and the Bosporus and the dark. But even, okay, you look at, he has done, Joe Biden has accomplished what Donald Trump supposedly tried to do. Donald Trump supposedly got the German, uh, the, the smart Republicans were saying Donald Trump was trying to get the Germans to pay more for defense. Right. That's what the smart Republicans Yeah, and they announced three days ago they're going to take it above 2% of GDP, which have, they've never done before since World War II. Yes. So this is what I'm saying. I mean, you know, uh, this is, uh, it's remarkable. It is really, really remarkable what this Trumpism and Putinism, you know, has really. Uh, and the two things are indistinguishable. I mean, that, and that's, uh, hopefully that's the lesson that Americans are getting out of this is that Trumpism and Putinism are essentially the same thing. And, you know, they're, they're built on a foundation of white supremacy, fear and hatred for gay people and, and other, you know, non-conforming minorities, minorities in general, racial minorities as well, fear of elections, democratic elections and authoritarianism, banning books. I mean, this is, this is Trumpism and Putinism. Dave, thank you for the call. On the line with us, Eric Bollard, the founder and editor of PressRun.media. Also, Eric Bollard, B-O-E-H-L-E-R-T, over on Twitter. Uh, Eric, welcome back to the program. Your, uh, your newsletter, Stop Whitewashing GOP's Putin Worship, really, really uh, uh, hit me when I, I subscribed to your newsletter. It's just oh, it's absolutely great at PressRun.media, and I, I encourage everybody listening to do the same. Um, uh, tell me about this, this turning point for the Republican Party that you're talking about, and, and I think more importantly, since you're really, your beat is you know, the media or media yeah. overview, how our... Uh, quote, mainstream media is just absolutely failing to describe what is actually going on. Well, I think it's a it's a one two combo in that um, the press for years hasn't hasn't known what to make of this radical and dangerous Republican Party. Right. The media is married to this idea that the Republican Party is a center right entity and it, it mirrors the opposite of the center left Democrats. And that's how American politics works. And Republican Party is filled with honorable men and women who are doing the best they can. And that does not describe anything remotely similar to what the Republican Party is today. If anyone watched five minutes of CPAC over the weekend, they would understand the insanity uh, that has been let loose. And so specifically with the Putin and Ukraine and Russia, you know, uh, there was major portions of the Republican Party uh, running up to the invasion that were basically pledging their uh, admiration, if not their allegiance, to the Kremlin instead of the White House. That is unprecedented. Yeah. And, and, and it was being led by the leader of the Republican Party, Donald Trump. And, you know, it was, you know, I did see an interesting quote from a Colombian historian who told the New York Times, this would be like if Eisenhower had cheered 
you know, the invasion of Czechoslovakia. I mean, it's right. incomprehensible. So what does the press do with that when the Republican Party and Trump acts in incomprehensible ways? Uh, their knee-jerk reaction is to, to, is to just kind of uh, normalize it, pretend it's not that big a deal. You know, a quick example over the weekend, New York Times had headlined something like, Trump praises Putin, puts Republicans in a bind. You know, it's, it's some minor inter-party squabble. You know, it's not a big deal that the leader of the Republican Party is basically pledging his allegiance to a foreign power that's invading its neighbor. Uh, I'm sorry, it's not a minor passing event. It is, um, it should be a defining moment for the Republican Party. Yeah. And as I followed up today on Press Run, there's absolutely no political coverage about what this all means for the Republican Party in the midterm elections this year. 85% of Americans have an unfavorable view of Russia right now, according to the new Gallup poll. That's the lowest rating in three decades. That, to me, and anyone else who follows politics, means the Republican Party has dug itself a hole, a political hole, an electoral hole for the midterms, but there's virtually no conversation about how this might play out for the Republican Party and if it might be a bad thing for the Republican Party. But, you know, the press is absolutely obsessed with covering the midterms because they think the Democrats are going to do really badly. Well, <laughs> just so that's a big story for them. Just just, just consider how uh, the press would be covering the midterm races, the Republican versus right. Democrat races, you know, coming up in a few months. Um, how they would be covering it if uh, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders had both just come out and said, you know, we really think that Cuba is the role model for the United States. <laughs> and uh, we really need to, you know, respect uh, everything that they're doing. I mean, you know, right. and I'm, I'm not talking about just removing sanctions to try to make Cuba more democratic. I frankly, right, you know, right. that's my position, you know, that the sanctions haven't worked with Cuba and that we should do something, we should do something different, which, by the way, was Obama's position as well. Right, right. But, uh, I, I mean, you know, they would be going nuts. They'd be going, oh how God. can the Democrats survive this? The Democrats right. just embraced, you know, Cuba. Oh, my God, you know. But uh, Republicans embracing Putin. I mean, here's another startling one. I, I don't know if you caught this yet, Eric. It just popped up on Raw Story about 10 minutes ago. Uh, new Yahoo News YouGov poll, mm -hmm. which uh, notes that 76% of Americans hold a negative view of Putin. But among Trump voters... 47% of Trump voters say Putin is doing a better job than Biden. And only 3% of Trump voters give Biden any credit for doing a better job. On the topic yeah. of strength, 73% of Trump voters found Putin is stronger than Biden. Yeah. I mean, well, this, what the this, hell does this tell us about America's media and about what, you know, how, how Americans are being informed? Yeah. Well, you know, this Putin romance started under Obama, right? They used Putin... Um, you know, when he invaded Crimea, oh, he's so strong, you know, Obama's the riding romance. A, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, Obama rides his bike with a bicycle and Putin's invading countries. And why can't, you know, the American president be virile and strong like the Russian dictator? So they've had this soft spot for Putin. Uh, and this is supposed to be the Republican Party, which defined the evil empire of Russia and the Soviet Union right. that supposedly stands for freedom and, and liberty. I mean, uh, Putin is just as despot, you know, he, his political opponents end up dead or in jail or poisoned. I mean, this is, you know, your Cuba uh, analogy is a good one, but I, it doesn't even go far enough. I mean, there's no there are very few uh, countries on the planet that operate politically 
like Russia in terms of just brutal suppression on, on that large of a scale. The, the comparison I, I've been using for the last few days, you know, in terms of this cheerleading for Russia and what the media reaction would be on the other side. Imagine if after, you know, Iraq invaded Kuwait in 1990, if, if a third of the Democratic Party said, we support Saddam Hussein, we wish we wish George H.W. Bush was a leader like Saddam. I mean, my God, could yeah. you imagine? Yeah. It would have been, uh, the, the press just would have written off the Democratic Party as a political entity for the next 10 years. I mean, it would have been suicide. We're but here we are, you know, again, over CPAC, you know, we had Trump praising Putin. You had lots of others, crazies getting up and, and saying things like that. But your point about the poll is so revealing. This is... You know, the, these Trump supporters, um, you know, are just completely blind in, to, in terms of their hatred of the Democratic Party, in terms of Joe Biden. And the, it's really amazing when you take a step back. I mean, Joe Biden is basically this very traditional center left Democrat and, and, and Trump and Fox News have tried to turn him into this. Uh, I, you know, this, I don't even know. Radical leftist. You know, this borderline communist, I don't know what they're trying to turn him into. Uh, And and he reminds most people of their, most normal people of their uncle or their grandfather. Uh, Not a particularly scary political uh, entity. Uh, But look, they've they've locked themselves into this this bubble. Uh, Tucker Carlson tells them there's no reason not to support Vladimir Putin. Uh, Tucker Carlson t- tells them Ukraine isn't worth fighting for. It's a sham country. Everyone there is part of this, you know, corrupt uh, Hunter Biden machine. And and this is these are the wor- real world effects. You know, never in a hundred years would anyone would have thought that the former Soviet empire invading another country would be cheered by basically the presumptive nominee for the Republican Party. But here we are. Yeah, and my it's... point is the press. Uh, normalizes all this. The press kind of shrugs its shoulders and the press is just, you know, uh, committed to this Trump being Trump. And what are you going to do? I, I, I totally get this. We're, we're talking with Eric Bollert, uh, one of the great uh, observers of media in the United States and around the world. Pressrun.media is his website, Eric Bollert, B-O-E-H-L-E-R-T, over on Twitter. Um, Eric, we're, we're going to hit a break here in a minute or two, but uh, I'm, I'm wondering your thoughts on this sudden shift we've been watching on Fox. I think a, yeah. lot, of, a lot of what we're talking about tracks back, um, you know, some of it obviously, and maybe even much of it traps, tracks back to the radicalization you know, from Russian bots on Facebook to, yep. to Trump to, to wackadoodle media like Newsmax, but an awful lot of it goes back to Fox News. And sure. Fox News in the last 48 hours has gone from saying, hey, what's the big deal? You should just let you know Putin have Ukraine. They've gone from that being more or less their official position, certainly the position of their primetime hosts, sure. to uh, time to kill Putin. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're actually <laughs> calling for his execution. Um, I, I watched some Fox News over the weekend, and I was just astonished at how 180 degree different. Yeah. I mean, talk about whiplash. Yeah. Um, how is this going to go down with Fox News viewers? What do you think the impact of this is going to be on their audience and, and frankly, on their on their hosts? I mean, how does Tucker Carlson deal with this? We always wonder, but in the end, there are no rules over there. Their viewers don't care. There's no need for consistency within 24, 48 hours. In, in even an issue of war, in an invasion, you can go Tucker Carlson saying, "This is not our fight. Ukraine isn't worth defending." To you know, death of Vladimir Putin. So 
it gives you all kinds of leeway because you're never held accountable by anyone or anything. Your viewers aren't going to say boo. Uh, and, and yes, the rest of us are going to look and shake our heads and say, oh, my God, what, what, what's going on over there? But internally, they just gaslight. It's very similar to the Kremlin. The, you know, the Kremlin under Putin for 20 years has just been a stream of contradictions and lies uh, to the point where you, you, you don't really under you don't really know what's up or down. And um, and, and that's what Fox News is doing. But to answer your question, it doesn't matter because there are no rules and nobody holds them responsible for anything. Remarkable. Check out Eric's newsletter over at PressRun.media. Uh, Eric Bowler, the founder and editor of Press Run Media. Uh, Eric, thanks a lot for dropping by. Great talking. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. Okay. And good luck with the dogs. Who <laughs> wants the dogs? <laughs> no, I'm not Mitt Romney. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tyrone in Harlem, New York. Hey, Tyrone, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, I'm thinking about you. Your last guest, and he was he was talking about just what I was thinking. Like, how is it that these people are able to support our adversary without the the media even thinking that this is something? Not even hopping on the fact that we had a threat for our life, and the fact that these people are able to do this with tactically with impunity, and these are not dumb people. These people are not uneducated. A lot of them go to college. A lot of them have money. A lot of them, even the ones that attack the, the, the um, capital. They, these wasn't you, um, the hoo-hahs that was just walking around toothless and known. These are educated people. Yep. And we, we have to come to the point that, you know, some people, you know, we are taught to believe that there's good in everyone. But there are some people that are just not on that, on that same page. And they're willing to do whatever it takes to get what they want regardless of what it costs. And we should be beating that, hold that, that drum that if you, a vote for Trump is a vote for Putin. Well, I'm yes, just astonished the that the New York Times, I mean, Eric Bollert uh, in his newsletter, uh, the way he, he uh, laid it out, I've, I've now set it aside, but um, I don't know what I did with it. 
Um, but I, so I can't quote from it verbatim. But but you know, it was like the New York Times talking about you know Republicans at CPAC cheering Putin, and they said, "Oh, this puts the Republican Party in a bind." Rather than Republican Party endorses fascism. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, what exactly. the hell? Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. They just, I think they're trying to keep the Republican Party relevant. They don't want to completely disband it because they know what Trump is doing is liable to have this Republican Party just annihilated. So instead of that, they want to keep them up. So the media plays this game. And they say the, the media is the fourth estate. I think it's the first estate. I think the media is the the... the the, the, the head of the ship. It's the tail that's wagging the dog to you to, to yes. torture an old metaphor. <laughs> yes. yes, it is the tail that's yeah. wagging the dog. And they got us all, you know, because the only thing we know is what we what we read and what we hear. Yeah. And then you know, none of us has been out to you know, most of us haven't been out to, to Russia to to Ukraine and to only thing we know is what the media is telling us. And because of that, it makes us very vulnerable to misinformation. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. Yes, so we we gotta we we gotta beat the drum that this Republican Party is not, you know, a lot of them have our best interests at heart, and they're looking to do whatever it takes to get what they want. You know, a lot of them want to be. To a large extent, they have common cause with Putin. I mean, you know, Putin has has screwed down his elections to the point where he's always going to win, and the Republicans are trying to do that right now in the United States. Uh, Putin has criminalized being gay in in Russia. Uh, Republicans are trying to do that, you know, across the LGBTQ spectrum here in the United States. Um, uh, you know, uh, Putin uh, threatens teachers. Uh, you know, that's going on here. Uh, you know, it controls the media. I think maybe I already said that. Um, it's it, it, it's like the GOP is like, oh, gee, a new role model. Tyrone, I got to run, but thank you for the call. Uh, spot on. All right. Uh, spot on. I endorse everything you said. And welcome back. Tom Harvin here with you. Okay, uh, somebody on Twitter corrected my terrible memory of <laughs> my, my German. Uh, Rita Boone says, uh, Zeit or Zeiten means time. I was right about that. But Vende uh, means turn, T-U-R-N, like turn of the times. Thank you, Rita. Um, you know, I, I, so, much for, uh, so much for my German, <laughs> I guess. Sandy in Hin- Hills, excuse me, Hinsdale, Illinois. Hey, Sandy, what's on your mind today? Thanks for listening to WCPT. Oh, thank you, Tom. This is probably a moot point right now, but I still can't wrap my head around why Putin would start the war now as opposed to when Trump was in office. He must know that Biden would go out of his way to have all the allies come and uh, serve a purpose against Putin. Why did he not do this when Trump was in office and Trump would have looked the other way entirely? I believe it's because uh, he wanted first to have NATO neutered. I'm increasingly thinking that, the, the, you know, there's this whole conspiracy theory out there that Brexit was a Russian op, basically, just like the election of Trump was a Russian op. And, you know, there's evidence that it was and evidence that it wasn't. But the goal of Brexit, if it was a Russian psychological operation run through trolls on social media, was to damage the European Union because the EU was seen as a challenge to Russia. Trump has said 
that if he got a second term, the first thing he would have done was pull the United States out of NATO and try to dismantle the NATO alliance. He said it, it is uh, no longer relevant. I forget his exact phrase, but uh, words to that effect. So I think that they were waiting for his second term on the assumption that in his second term, he would do what Putin did in his second term and what uh, Viktor Orban did in his second term, which is basically end democracy in the United States so there wouldn't be opposition. You know, just tighten the screws so completely, lock down our election systems and things like that, that Trump would be our president until the day he dies and that we would then be allies with them. And he had all this stuff in place. Now, this is pure speculation on my part, that he had all this stuff in place for the invasion. He had it all planned. Trump doesn't get reelected. His plan goes awry. And then the trucker convoy happened in Canada, which, again, arguably was a Russian-driven psychological operation. Again, I can't offer you evidence of that. There are lots of people speculating that. There are lots of people speculating that it's got nothing to do with Russia. I can't prove one or the other. But whatever it was, that tr Canadian trucker tantrum looked like America was weak and looked like Biden was being weak. And frankly, I think that might have been the thing that caused Putin to think, okay, now's the time to do it. Yeah. Well, that all sounds extremely logical. Yeah. I, I wish we could go back in time and I guess it's way too late to invite Russia into NATO. Yeah, it is. That conversation ended in 1992. <laughs> Sandy, thank you for the call. Jessica in Chicago. Hey, Jessica, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. I really hope your audience of senators and congressmen are listening to you today. You're great. Thank you. And if Putin is killing children, Putin doesn't care who he kills. And if NATO can't go into Ukraine and help support them, then they need to get Red Cross helicopters dropping food and water and needs for those people. And my question is, isn't it time actually for NATO to step in when Putin threatens nuclear weapons? Because we talked about it on another show that he has all those nuclear reactors there. And if he bombs those, Europe and whoever knows where else is... I mean, you had the most appropriate book to read this morning. Um, it, it just it upsets me so. What what does the future hold? Yeah. Well, a couple of points, uh, Jessica. First of all, if those nuclear reactors were to get bombed or to blow up or whatever, um, the prevailing winds are out of the west, which means that the radiation would be blown into Russia. So I doubt that Russia is going to be all that enthusiastic about doing that. Um, number one. Number two, NATO is a defensive alliance, and the uh, Article 5 of, of the NATO agreement says that any, uh, an attack on any NATO country is an attack on all of them, and it specifically excludes the rest of the world. It's basically, you know, we're here to defend our club. Uh, Ukraine is not a member of, of NATO. Neither is Switzerland, Sweden, or Finland. Uh, I am guessing that within the month, all four will be NATO members once this thing is resolved, um, or at least within the next six months. There's a process and a whole song and dance that you gotta go through to get in. Um, but uh, both, both Finland and, and Sweden have now said, and Finland has a huge border with Russia, have, have both said, uh, hey, we're willing to talk about this now. Um, 
but I think to your to your larger point of you know if he's willing to kill children, is he willing to kill anybody else? This you know I, I just mentioned this very briefly as, as I was hitting the break at the at the end of the last uh, half hour. Um, uh, I, I am haunted by my recollection of my old friend Armin Lehman. He wrote a book about this uh, in Hitler's bunker. Um, I helped him get the book published. Uh, I remember when he came over to our house with the early manuscript and said, you know, would you read this and tell me what you think? And he and I, I had worked with Armin for 20 years. We, we traveled around the world together. Uh, we worked in the travel industry, uh, training people in the travel industry. And I, I knew he had a, a funny German accent, but I had no idea his past. He was the 16-year-old who gave Hitler the news that the war was lost. And he, and he stayed there for two days in the bunker and was outside the door when Hitler committed suicide. Um, you know, uh, he was the guy. And his comment to me, and I, I don't remember his exact words, and in fact, one of the things I probably should do this afternoon is go look, out, look at his book and see if he's got them in his book. But the essence of what he said to me, and he, and he was on this program a couple of times, too. He's passed away now, um, but, a, you know, almost a decade ago. Um, but the essence of what he said to me was that, uh, you know, he, there was all this death and destruction. This was in Berlin. Um, you know, uh, Armin had been conscripted. They were conscripting 15 and 16-year-olds. And, uh, uh, and he'd been in the Hitler Youth before that. And he said Hitler was fine with all the Germans dying. You know, uh, he, he said that they had let him down. They, his people had failed him, so kill them all uh, if you have to do that. And if Hitler had had a button, now this now I'm reading into what Armin said, if Hitler had had a button that could have launched nukes and taken out all of his enemies, that could have taken out Russia and the, and the allied powers of the United States, um, he probably would have done it. And I mean, that's how insane he was at the end. And, the, and I'm very worried. That, that Putin might, well, we don't know yet, but I'm very worried that if he reaches this point, if he can't save face, if he can't get out of this with some little fragment of self-respect left. I mean, the uh, Ukrainian ambassador, you know, in the United Nations Security Council, and Russia is the temporary president of the Security Council, so they're moderating the thing. And the Ukrainian ambassador said to the Russian ambassador, uh, why don't you just tell Putin to kill himself? Yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, like Hitler did in his bunker. That's what the guy said. He, he, he drew that analogy to, to Hitler at the end of World War II. And, yeah. you know, this, uh, we've got to be careful about being too glib about this because Putin may decide to kill himself and he may decide to do it by destroying the entire planet. I know. I wish special forces just as Russians could take him out. I wish there was some way to take him out. Well, I'm, I'm thinking that it's going to reach a point where his own military is going to, I mean, you know, the, there was a coup attempt. In fact, there arguably was a coup against Gorbachev. And, uh, I mean, you know, you had, you had tanks rolling up to the, the military, you know, rolling up to the Kremlin back in 1991. So, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm starting to think that the Russian people and the Russian military might take this in their own hands, but who knows? knows? Yeah, they are. Jessica, thank you for the call. Uh, who knows how it's going to play out? Right after the break here, I want to get into the parallels between today's Republican Party and Russia. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. By the way, FYI, I will be doing a uh, bookstore event virtually. You can attend wherever you live, even though it's uh, with Powell's Books here in Portland about my new book, The Hidden History of Big Brother in America, How the Death of Privacy and the Rise is Surveillance Threaten Us and Our Democracy. You have to register for it. You can find the link on our Facebook page or you can go to powells.com. You can just click on a link there and participate in it. So all that said, my rant for today is titled the GOP, this is over at hartmanreport.com, is titled the GOP is trying to turn America into Putin's Russia. Let me explain. Donald Trump saying that he didn't lose the election and or that he won the election, it was stolen from him. And therefore, we should not trust our election systems. We should not trust the foundation of democracy, which is elections. This is not just a sore loser. I mean, yes, Donald Trump is a sore loser. He's been a sore loser his whole life. But it's not just that. And that's not why the Republican Party is embracing him in his big lie. The reason why the Republican Party is embracing him in his big lie, why white supremacists and right-wing billionaires are trying to reform America, is because they do not want a democracy. It really comes right down to this. Trump's refusal to acknowledge his election laws is dangerous because elections are how democracies hold their leaders accountable. What you are seeing right now from Russia is what happens when a leader goes 20 years in power with no accountability. And we've seen this around the world where autocrats take power, typically through elections in democracies, and then go nuts. Keep in mind, Hitler, well, Hitler was first appointed chancellor, but then he was elected. Mussolini was elected in 1924, you know, substantial win. This is how it happens. People get inside democracies, autocrats, and take them over and destroy them as democracies. And one of the main ways they do it is by claiming that the election systems are rigged and therefore they've got to fix it. And you know, this is what's going on right now. For example, the Republican party, uh, the, every single Republican in the Senate voted to block the John Lewis Voting Rights Enhancement Act and the Freedom to Vote Act. That, and the Freedom to Vote Act was so milk toast that Joe Manchin thought he was going to get 10 Republicans to vote for it. They are now changing election laws in multiple red states so they can alter the outcome of elections when that don't go their way, completely ignoring the will of the voters. A recent Supreme Court decision written entirely by right-wing justices, greenlit Republican plans, this was the Ohio decision, a greenlit uh, Republican plans to purge millions of largely Democratic voters from the voting rolls, and that's happening right now. We may see in, in this election between now and 2024, we may see as many as 20 million Americans purged off the voting rolls. Republicans are making it so hard to vote that in Texas, as many as 30% of people applying 
to uh, be registered to vote or to uh, receive a mail-in ballot, as much as 30% of them are being rejected. A year ago, the rejection rate was 1%. What changed? Their new anti-democracy law. This is how autocrats operate. They hate democracy. So they seize it. Since the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act in 2013 in their Shelby County decision and then endorsed partisan gerrymandering in 2019, when they said, oh yeah, you, well, you, can't, you can't gerrymander by race, but you sure can by politics, no problem. So if that area, which happens to be largely black, is also largely democratic, well, you can gerrymander the hell out of it. Again, a 5-4 decision by the Supreme Court, nothing but the right-wing crackpots, saying that instead of voters picking their politicians, politicians can pick their voters, no problem. And of course, they are embracing Putinism and Trumpism, which increasingly are the same thing, in their efforts to rewrite history, in their efforts to embrace white supremacy and white nationalism. And we saw this this weekend at the CPAC conference. Their efforts to create billionaire oligarchs via tax cuts and then have those billionaire oligarchs recycle some of that money back to these right-wing politicians. And their efforts to turn LGBTQ plus people into pariahs. They attack public schools, just like Putin does. They, they ban books, just like Putin does. They promote white supremacist conference and pass laws like Florida's recent Don't Say Gay law. The Republican Party, in short, is trying to turn America into Putin's Russia, with everything from book bans to rigged elections to denigrating democracy itself. Robert Reich, and don't, and, oh yeah, that's Hartman, uh, you know, a, a wackadoodle lefty talk show host. Robert Reich is the former labor secretary for the United States during the Bill Clinton administration. He, he is not Fidel Castro. He is not Tom Hartman. He's a very respectable Democrat. And he's got a great uh, Substack newsletter, by the way. He wrote this morning, quote, the Trump-led Republican Party does not openly support Putin, but the GOP's animus toward democracy is expressed in ways familiar to Putin and other autocrats. Why? Why does t Putin talk about Russian blood and soil? In other words, white nationalism. Why does he harass and demonize LGBTQ people? Why does he maintain tight control over his schools and his media? Why does he rig Russian elections? Because the majority of people in Russia wouldn't go along with it if Russia was to function as a real democracy. And this is the same anti-small-D democratic reflex, the anti-democracy reflex within the GOP. And by the way, it's not new. George W., and, and it has done incredible damage to America in the past. George W. Bush lost the election in 2000 by a half million votes. His brother rigged the election in Florida by throwing 90,000 African Americans off the voting rolls in the weeks before the election. But then the Supreme Court of Florida said, hey, we've got to recount this vote because, you know, it says that Trump only, or that uh, Bush won by only 537 votes. We, we need to double check it. And so Bush gets the, the, his buddy or his daddy gets his buddies on the Supreme Court, five conservatives again on the Supreme Court to say, oh no, Florida, stop, ignore your own Supreme Court. We're preempting them. And then a year later, November 12th, 2001, the New York Times writes, because they actually counted all the ballots. If all the ballots have been reviewed under any of seven single standards and combined with the results of an exa examination of overvotes, Mr. Gore would have won. 
So Bush, being an illegitimate president, needs a war. He, he, he gives us two. Jeb Bush and five conservatives on the Supreme Court moved to America, a huge step toward the Putinization of our country, with George W. Bush lying us into two wars, creating a nationwide police agency in the Department of Homeland Security, something Americans had always resisted, and pushing through the Patriot Act, all while overseeing Big Brother kinds of abuses like Ed Snowden and others, other whistleblowers have revealed. That damaged America. And, and then Donald Trump put the final nail in the coffin of American democracy, or his attempt to anyway, and if, or tried to. And if a half a dozen heroic Republicans, people like Brad Raffsenperger, who is busy purging the votes of black people in Georgia, but hey, at least he's standing up for something resembling democracy, hadn't stopped him. And then at CPAC this weekend, you've got members of the U.S. House of Representatives from both Georgia and Arizona addressing a white supremacist conference where the, the host set the conference up with a rant about, how, you know what our secret sauce is? Our secret sauce is these young white men. And by the way, let's have a hand for Putin. Putin, yay, Putin, yay. This is what they were doing at, at, at this AFPAC conference that's kind of parallel to CPAC, happens just down the street. This is crazy stuff. By the way, this authoritarianism, this, this authoritarian streak is not new in America. I've got uh, in, uh, over at HartmanReport.com, you can, you can see in my article for today, not only have I embedded the stuff from AFPAC, you know, of this guy saying this, but also this uh, PBS seven minute film, it's called A Night at the Garden. And it's about 1939, when 20,000 white men showed up at Madison Square Garden wearing swastikas on their arms to, to give the Hitler salute. And now we've got Zelensky of Ukraine, who's Jewish, by the way, you know, in, in the face of all these, uh, I, I don't get it, lefties saying that, that uh, oh, it's a bunch of Nazis in Ukraine. Come on, their president is Jewish. His grandfather was the only survivor of four brothers who were taken to the concentration camps by Hitler. Three of his uncles died in the Holocaust. Vladimir Zelensky, or Volodymyr. But as I said, democracies are rarely taken down from the outside. They're usually taken down from the inside. We're seeing this happening in Hungary with Viktor Orban, with Modi in India, with, with Duterte in the Philippines, with Bolsonaro in Brazil. The rise of the strongman. And, and Donald Trump was there cheering every single one of them on. So is Germany right that this is a, a Zeitenwende, that this is a turning point, that this is a new era in the world? And how's it going to shake out? The other concern, and there was a great op-ed in the, in the Financial Times this morning, there are swamp notes about this. You know, is this going to end up pushing Russia closer to China? Or will China be so horrified by it that they back away from Putin, in which case probably there will be an internal revolt in Russia that will take down the Putin administration? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not rooting for any of those outcomes because I think every single one of them comes with huge and disastrous consequences. I'm hopeful that Putin can simply be chastised. By the way, they just broke the, uh, the, the first meetings in Belarus 
between Russia and Ukraine, peace talks, and made no, uh, to the best of my knowledge, no major announcements. The official word is that both sides are going back to their respective countries for discussions with their leaders. So we'll see how this shakes out. But the bottom line for me is that here in the United States, I mean, even Mitt Romney, Adam Kinzinger, and Liz Cheney couldn't, couldn't bring themselves to vote for democracy, for the Freedom to Vote Act. White supremacy, oligarchy, and the hatred of democracy have been with us forever, and it's a crisis right now in America. Oligarchy is knocking on our door as you are hearing these words. We need to act now. Andrew in Queens, New York. Hey, Andrew, what's up? Hey, how are you doing, Tom? First Good. time caller, long time listener. Well, thank you, Andrew. I think we are partially responsible for uh, what's going on in Russia on the grounds that uh, we should have gone renewable a long time ago. If they have no money to be running, buying these uh, heavy equipments and running over into countries and invading, we, we, we should have gone renewable years ago because uh, 80% of, I think more than 80% of their economy is, uh, is fossil fuel driven. I'm not sure. What I've heard is 40%, but yeah, 40% of their GDP has to do with fossil fuels. But I'll give you a second area where, and this is going to be my next book, it'll be out in the fall, The Hidden History of Neoliberalism, where the, the United States is, bears some responsibility for the current situation in Russia. And that was after the Soviet Union fell and Boris Yeltsin was elected president and Russia was a democracy, the United States right. sent Milton Friedman advisors, Chicago School of Economics advisors over to Russia to help them make the transition from being a state-run economy with every single business owned by the state to a private economy. And the way that they did it was what they called shock therapy. It's what they tried to impose in Chile. It's what they tried to do in, in Iraq. You know, just instantly pull the government out of everything. And that's a prescription for oligarchy. It's a 100% prescription. And the reason I would say if we hadn't been in there with the Chicago boys, the Chicago school boys, reconfiguring Russia's economy, they wouldn't have had this explosion of oligarchs who were buying up the coupons from everybody, and Russia would not be where it's at right now. It would be more like you know, a functional democracy. I mean, it might be a corrupt one like Hungary, but it would be more of a functional democracy. Right. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on. Uh, and, and it also has links to us, um, not, not just completely going renewable, because uh, that, yes. that, that, that has something to do with it. We're, we're putting money in their pockets to, uh, to come and, 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 and uh, be bullies of the world, and uh, that, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, Russia is you know? one of the top, I believe, the top five oil suppliers to the planet, you know, massive supplier of fossil fuel energy. They are supplying roughly 40% of the energy to, uh, to, to Germany, I believe, and I, I, I'm not right. sure all of Western Europe. I, I've also, I think I've heard that it was 40% of all of Western Europe, but that sounds like you know, too much. I, I may be wrong on that. Um, I, I think that France and the UK are the two that are accepted from that. Andrew, thank you for the call. It's nice to hear from you. Thanks for listening to us on SiriusXM. Good talking with you. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. <laughs> you. So get out there, get active, tag your it. Find, find a way to interact, right, to participate. Share good stories with people. Tell people about good media. To, help you. We've all got to wake this country up. So have a great afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, be good to yourself and the people around you. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. 
For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.